Hello, and welcome to Small Business Happy Hour, a podcast where we interview a different entrepreneur or small business owner every week to hear their story. We chat about their business, passions, struggles, and all things small business. Oh, and we drink with our guests during the interview, hence the happy hour. I'm your host, Derek, founder of Yoga for All Humans, a fully online yoga studio. And I'm your host, Holly, creator of the blog, The Bitter Lemon, and author of many books. We are so happy you're here. Hey, Holly, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Um, I think in our last intro, yeah, I think in our last intro, I mentioned that I was sick, and it turns out that it was cedar fever, thanks to you. Yeah. Not thanks to you for giving it to me, thanks to yeah, you for I didn't diagnosing me. Trees outside your <laughs> so to our dear listeners, if you live in Austin, or if you're visiting Austin in January, um, apparently there's a thing called cedar fever, and Monica, who this episode is with pointed out like it's kind of similar to hay fever right um which i'd never thought of before or even like why it was called hay fever but apparently austin has the highest percentage of cedar trees in the country and they're like blooming right now right yeah it's the pollination season okay so there's cedar pollen even if like I know when I had it, I got it like the first winter that I moved to Austin and I thought everyone was lying, like saying, oh, it sounds like you have cedar fever. I was like, "Mm, (laughs) that's not a real thing. (laughs) Funny. But then, like I said, the telltale sign is like feeling like you have water in your constantly, which is a wild feeling. And it's like, there's not really much to like get rid of it. I personally had like a bronchitis sounding cough when I had it. Yeah. I remember going to Whole Foods because for me, anytime I feel run down or sick, I go to the Whole Foods at the domain. If you're in Austin, I go to that one because they have a ramen counter and I get spicy ramen. Oh, nice. The spicy and I get like chili oil I get everything spicy just because that's what I like but I think when you're sick like that spiciness like I drink a bunch of water I don't know so I went but I was so sick and I remember just being like spicy ramen like trying to order it and the person at the counter was like cedar fever and I was like yeah and he gave me a bunch of extra broth like at no charge Mm. like people here know the pain like it is I've had it twice now. It's not something you're going to get every year. Like, that's the weird thing about it. Like, some people said they lasted two winters before they got it. But, like, you'll get it at some point because it's just your body is just putting up defenses against the cedar, which Mm -hmm. is wild. But so, yeah, you survived last winter. I did. Yeah. I didn't get it last winter, but now I got it. Yeah. Mm Yep. And the ears were the weirdest part. I was just like, what the fuck is this? It was You're driving me so like, crazy. I was. I was like, yeah. like mm-hmm. covering my nostrils and like, you know, trying to. <laughs> yep. It was so annoying. Yeah. yeah, I did. I even took Q-tips to it. I was like, what is in there? <laughs> and the Q-tip is dry and you're like, what the hell? Yeah. 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 It's so weird. So yeah. that's been my week. Um but thankfully, I still had enough motivation to knock out some of my New Year's goals. I know. Um, I was about to say, like, I've been posting on our our podcast Instagram that you made 
some chicken salad, you made hummus, mm-hmm. you made mm-hmm. lasagna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the chicken salad and hummus were like kind of like from scratch weekly staples. Um, and it turned out good. I still have some fine tuning to do with like how I cook the chickpeas and then with the chicken salad. Another lesson learned that everyone can learn from me is extra virgin olive oil is not the same thing as extra light olive oil. So (laughs) if you're making homemade mayo, extra light olive oil is what you want. So the mayo is just like a little too strong. Um, But I don't know. I kind of like it. And then the hummus is good. I still need to see if it froze well because I took the one out of the freezer to see if it froze well. Um, But yeah, my other goal was to make two meals a month from a cookbook and I went through I didn't realize that we had like five cookbooks so I went through a bunch of them and just settled on lasagna so we have like an Italian cookbook and um I did not make the noodles myself like the cookbook called for making the noodles (laughs) yourself oh yeah oh but it has like instructions on how to do it that's always been something i was interested in like making my own noodles you know i mean there's not a lot of ingredients to it i think no it's just one of those things it's a process yeah so um (laughs) here's winston so i didn't make the noodles myself but everything else was pretty much from scratch and it turned out really good like it was all dairy free obviously so i probably haven't had lasagna in like 10 years because where are you going to get dairy-free lasagna, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know. So um, it took like four hours. I I mean, I I tasted it whenever it came out of the oven, but I haven't like actually had it as a meal yet because it took like four hours and I did not realize it would take that long. (laughs) (laughs) Four hours and many dishes later, but it's good. Like it's really good. So I'm excited to have it tonight. There's something about like, I think I was saying on our goals episode when I would have my tech Shabbat and like use that time to get out a cookbook, make a meal. Mm -hmm. There's something like, especially on the days where I made the red beans, like having it cook all day and then you finally get to eat it. Like it was such a treat. Mm -hmm. That was another thing I was thinking about because you had mentioned the red beans in the and a few of the different cookbooks I was looking through, they had a, a number of red beans and rice. So I may do that next. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to have, maybe we should trade our cook off. I probably have like, I probably have like five or six cookbooks and maybe yeah. halfway through the year we can trade. <laughs> oh, that's cute. That's a good idea. Oh man. Well, well how was your week? I had a good week. I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but for me, I feel like this first week of the new year, the first week of the new year was really just a lot of catch up, like stuff that I didn't have time for over the holidays, like just getting back to my normal routine. So I wasn't able to like hit the ground running as far as my goals go, but I felt like I was laying the groundwork for that, like getting my planner, my new, you know, 2023 planner together. Um, I asked off for work for like all of my screenwriting meetings so that I don't miss any of those. I did get uh, a walking pad and a scale for Christmas. So I got both of those set up and like I've walked on the walking pad a few times now. I've been weighing my, like doing a weigh-in, which also is like my weight. Um, 
my bone density, my water weight, like it measures a number of things. I've been doing that every morning. Now I've already gotten into like a routine of that. So I feel good about it. So has your water weight changed? I know like you didn't have enough water or whatever, and you were trying (laughs) to hydrate more. Yeah. So this is so funny because I don't know if we were recording it, but like when I told Derek, like my, this scale, like you know, tells me like how much percentage of my weight is water. And then on the app, it tells you what a quote unquote, like good range is, which a lot of it I looked up also to like, see if it was real and like how legit it was. And so for the water, um, I guess like for a woman of like my age, which sounds really weird saying that, but like (laughs) for a woman of my age, my water percentage should be like, I think 60% is good and mine is 43. And when I told Derek that he, he thought the look on your face was basically like I had a terminal illness. That's so funny. He was like, are you dehydrated? <laughs> like, yes. I'm always so paranoid about people being dehydrated. Being I don't dehydrated. know why. Okay, so honestly, seeing it be low was not a huge shock for me because there's always kind of been like this conversation between me and my parents growing up that like, I am just, I used to never drink water um, all my life. Like I really like, it's a bit of a struggle only in the past few years have I been making an effort to like drink more water and like, obviously it changed my diet over the last few years, whatever. But like, I used to never even drink like a sip of water. Like I drink like only diet Coke or whatever. Like, so seeing it below was not a shock to me, but I am really curious to see if it goes up. And I feel like the true test is going to be the next time I do a juice cleanse, because if it doesn't go up during that, (laughs) <laughs> never gonna go up like so it's gone up like 0.2 percent oh wow yeah that's nothing like i i kind of wonder how long it takes for like it to register like if i drink a lot of water one day is it really gonna show up on the scale like i don't know i don't know i'm not sure how that works no so well, but that's like definitely a number that i am paying attention to like the bone density and the water are like the two things that i really look at yeah so that's cool yeah next time i'm over there i'll have to see what mine says yes you should um it's that'd be cool yeah it's kind of weird but i i like i said i've done the walking pad i did sometimes i'll just jump on it like when i heat up my dinner like if i put my dinner in the oven and like waiting 10 minutes i'll just get on there and do like 10 minutes of walking but I watched like an hour of tv and walked and got like a little over 5,000 steps just slow just at a super slow pace just and it's like that was a day I worked from home I didn't have to go to my retail job so prior to getting on the walking pad I had 16 steps on my phone isn't that crazy yeah in my apartment being a slob and so then I got on the thing and I was like that's the exact reason why I got the, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm sure other people feel this way, but for me, like even during the hour walking, I had to keep reminding myself that like, I'm not doing this to like break a sweat necessarily or tire my muscles. Like I'm literally, I literally just asked for this so that I wouldn't be sitting like a sloth. Like that's Mm -hmm. it. So I'm not trying to like, 
not even trying to get 10,000 steps a day. Like I'm just trying to get more than I was before. That's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Step goals are crazy. Cause it blew my mind. Like in, in Iowa, we had this really nice, like walking path behind our neighborhood. And so I would have to walk to get to it. That would always take the dogs, of course. Um, and so it was like, probably like three fourths of a mile to get to the walking path and then to go all the way around the big part of the walking path was like a mile and a half and then three fourths of a mile to get back home. So all together, like three miles. Right. And whenever I, I was like, I bet you I went like 20,000 steps, you know, like, and it was like maybe 10. I was like, how many fucking steps are in a mile? Like, what the hell? It blew my I mind. Know. Plus there's just like all this varied information about like, is it 7,000? Is it 10,000? Whatever. And it's like, honestly, I, I, yeah, I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to like, not be sitting. And like, when I, when I work, like, I feel like on a typical retail shift, I'll usually get a couple thousand steps, just like walking around people, whatever. So I feel like if I can at least get on the walking pad on the days that I don't have a shift, like that is better than, that's a lot better than what I was doing. Yeah, for sure. I got my vision board, like all set up and I love it. It's like behind my. Oh, good. Yeah. Post um, a story of it. I know this is actually the first one that like, I really love it so much. Like I love looking at it. Like I've liked the other ones that I've put together. They all have meaning, but I think this one um, really fits like my goals so much this year. And I also, I don't think I mentioned this, but I bought like the um, human design book from Sarah, our guest. Yeah. I forgot about that. And when she sent me my physical book, she wrote me a very sweet personal note that I, that I put on my vision board because it basically says like, congratulations on choosing a life that lights you up. And I just thought that was so inspirational and kind that like I put that and she wrote it in a pink marker, which is kind of like my color for yeah. 2023. So I was like, wow, how cool. Like, so that's right in the top of it, of my vision board. That's so sweet. What were you and your human design? I don't think you ever told me. No. What are you? I'm a manifester. Okay. I need to grab it because I'm I'm also a manifester, I'm pretty sure. But like because are you emotional manifester? Emotional manifester. Yeah. I will say this thing has a ton of information. Like it's gonna take me a minute to uh Okay, so mine says manifesting generator, sacral authority. Okay, so I think that means that you're a generator because that's what she originally guessed that I was. And so you must have like, I think the manifesting part of that is kind of like the emotional part of mine. Yeah, it says like right under energy type, it says capable, multi-passionate, energetic, electric, joyful powerhouse. Like I went through all of it uh, over the holidays, just kind of like skimming and reading. And some of it, there was this one section that said like, I guess like my design um, is someone that's like really fearful of death, which is like something that- Oh, interesting. Came- that's something that has been present my whole life. And it came up when I had my natal chart read. 
Mm. But to see it like in the book and like that's part of my design, I was like, wow. That's interesting. Well, that's yeah. fine. I'm glad that you got it and are digging into it. Yeah, I love yeah. human design. Look at the the front, like has my name. That's so cool. So yeah, I haven't like really, you know, gone through it, but I have like looked at it and it's just, it's so much more information than what I was anticipating, which is good because I like that. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Well, our guest this week is Monica Hayes. Um, she was my realtor. Uh, that's how I know her. Um, but I always admired her. So like she's from Iowa. So that's we're crossing Iowa off the list Ooh. on the map. <laughs> You're getting into like a different region of the country with this one. We are. And then next week's episode will be a completely different state that we haven't been in yet. So, yeah, but I, I just adore Monica. Um, not only was she just an amazing realtor, but come to find out, you know, in our conversation, she has a big team of people larger than I expected. Um, so she's really made, you know, being a realtor being a small business, which is really fascinating and kind of an innovative way to do real estate. And it sounds like, you know, through that, she's been able to tap into residential and commercial and really streamline things. It was very impressive talking to her. So anyone interested in real estate and just, you know, smart women in general, um, it's a good episode. Yeah. She had a lot of information and, uh, she she was a little under the weather, but you know she still partook in the happy hour portion of. Her. She did. <laughs> she that did. Comes, every time we say like, "What are you drinking?" I'm always really shocked that like people come with their drinks. I love it. Yeah, it's so cute. Yeah. Well, it's a fun episode, y'all. Enjoy. Here she comes. Hey, Monica. Hey there. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. It's so good to see you. Yeah, you too. I kind of been... have raspy voice, cold winter kind of <laughs> going on. I'm like, great. Well, you're in good company. So <laughs> I discovered, so Holly's lived in Austin for like, what, like seven or eight years, Holly? Yeah, seven years. Okay, but we knew each other from Louisiana, which is funny. Um, and then I just happened to end up here too. And I learned yesterday that there's a thing called cedar fever in Austin. And so I've been sick all week and thinking it was like a cold, you know, and doing COVID tests every other day to make sure. And then apparently there's a thing called cedar fever because Austin you said that has the highest percentage of cedar trees, Holly? Yeah, it has the highest percentage of cedar, I believe, in the country. If not, I think there's one other place in the world that has, like, more cedar. But uh, it's, like, the highest concentration of cedar. And every January, it's, like, everyone gets cedar fever. And when I moved here, I thought everyone was full of shit. And, <laughs> and I felt like crap. <laughs> thought I was gonna die and everyone was like oh yeah you must have cedar fever and I'm like no no I think it's just a cold but the telltale sign is like feeling like you constantly have water stuck in your ears that like, was messing with my head so bad yeah I never felt that before and me either that's how you know you got it 
Wow. Yeah. Well, this is sort of like hay fever, right? When the hay fields. I guess it is like that. Yeah. Pollinating, but yeah. I never thought about it that way. That's true. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's what I've been dealing with all week. I even took a sick day from work one day because I was just so miserable. I was like, yeah, I, I stayed home today. I mean, I worked all day in bed, but I was yeah. like, I at least got to like put a little makeup on for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> It's all good. Well, it's so good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Um, Monica was my realtor twice in Iowa. Once whenever we were buying our house sight unseen, she was <laughs> so gracious and like did even did like a video tour, like driving into the neighborhood and then a video tour through the house and there was someone sleeping in a bed. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, Monica. <laughs> Like, oh, close the door quick on those ones. <laughs> and then whenever we sold our house, um, of course, we used her again um, whenever we had to move to Texas begrudgingly. But yeah, so but we became quick friends, um, even though we never really hung out because we're both bad at actually following through with plans. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're like hey we should do this and then like yeah. eight months later hey we should like get a drink yeah life gets exactly and then you leave and then i'm like dang we should have done know. that i know isn't that crazy <laughs> we miss iowa actually um we really do we didn't want to leave yeah people that have never been here don't realize like how yeah they don't get it is. Yeah, I can remember really telling you guys like you're gonna be surprised when you get here. It's gonna be way better than you think. Yeah, I remember that because I mean we went into it just thinking like, I mean what's in Iowa, and that's how everyone acted whenever I would try to get people to come visit us. And yeah, it's it's just a very special place. We don't like to tell people though, so I know kind of like let a, the cat out of the bag here. I know it's a hidden <laughs> secret. <laughs> Well, Holly's from Indiana, so she's she's a fellow Midwesterner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, when I I moved to Austin for work, I had a job offer. But at the same time, um, I had a job offer in Cedar Rapids. And oh. so I had to choose between the two places. And ultimately, the Austin job was like a solid offer on the table, whereas in Cedar Rapids, they were kind of like still being wishy-washy about it. But I did a lot of research on what it, you know, what it would be like. And I was like, okay, they have breweries, they have like cute apartments. I, I'm down. <laughs> and the cost of living in Cedar Rapids is so good. Yeah. Because yeah, we were originally looking at Cedar Rapids and Wesley was just going to commute, but then we ended up in Iowa City and it was just even a dramatic difference between those two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the important question, Monica, is do you feel good enough to drink anything? And if so, what are you drinking? <laughs> so, well, first of all, I started thinking I was going to try dry January. <laughs> oh, okay. And then I made an appointment for a drink last night and I'm like, Oh, yeah, that's not going to work very good. So I threw that out of the water in five days. And oh, so my I God. I do have a little hot toddy. With oh, man, I love a hot toddy. And honey. So, you know, it works. A hot toddy. That's a good time. That's I miss hot toddies. Yeah. That's what I used to get during the winter. Um, remember Radio Bar, Holly? Mm-hmm. 
there was a popular bar in Baton Rouge whenever we lived there. And I would always get a hot toddy when we would go out during the winter. It was so good. Yum. Well, I, I really have love um, wine. Like peppermint vodka or schnapps and go to. But this worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do you have wine? Good for cold. I do have wine. One of my New Year's resolutions was to actually make cocktails for this, but I've been sick all week, so wine it is. <laughs> I made mold wine Ooh. in my crock so, pot. In your crock pot. Yeah, wow. I, this is like, I've made it a few times. I always make it in my crock pot and I always just like use what I have. I posted how I made it on our Instagrams, like our oh, cool. Instagram story. Um, but I really, <laughs> I really just do like a cab sab or like a Merlot, like cheap. If you have apple cider, which I don't, I literally put like liquid IV apple in that in there. Um, <laughs> which, I mean, that makes it healthy, right? Yeah. Um, and then I put like the spice, you know, cinnamon, like I put all the spices and then a little bit of um like orange liqueur and like put it in there for like 15 minutes. And there it is. Mm. That's, That's very cool. Yeah. I was like same thing. I didn't have stuff for a hot toddy, but I was like, I need a drink, but I need something because I'm like on the verge. I feel on the verge of illness. <laughs> we are in good company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are, yeah. But um, of course, like, I can't be like, oh, I'm not going to drink so I don't get sick. No, I'm just going to figure out a way to like drink, but make myself feel kind of better. <laughs> mm. That's never worked for me. Like, I mean, obviously, like, I, I hydrate a lot whenever I'm feeling bad. But like the times where like, and I've even like, I'm a big like data person. So I've like tested it, like times <laughs> where I've been sick and I haven't drank, you know, just to see if I recover faster and it doesn't make a difference. So. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Mm, yeah. But Monica, have you ever done a dry January? I've never known anyone to do one. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> My life has been super stressful lately. Just I don't know why I thought this would be the year to like go for it. Actually, my husband Jason kind of mentioned it, and I he says I made fun of him when he said it. I'm like, no, so we get to be a full thirty two, you know, like let's go all yeah. in. And then he neglected to follow through, and I tried for a few days, but yeah, I have a friend that does it every year, and I'm like, oh, if he can do it, I can do it, but I can't. It's all right. Maybe next yeah. year. <laughs> I, I do think it is one of those things, kind of like Whole30. Like, it's like when yeah. the new year comes around, it's like, oh, okay, here's going to be a slew of people doing the dry January. Like, um, I've gotten like a few emails from brands that uh, this is not sponsored by Liquid IV, but they actually <laughs> um, sent me an email. And if you want to. <laughs> no, if you want to, I love Liquid IV, but they <laughs> released like two mocktail flavors for dry January. And I was like, that is so smart. That's smart. Because mm-hmm. that seems like the audience, I mean, not me, obviously, I'll be putting my Liquid IV in the wine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But that seems like the audience that would do a dry January and make like mocktails out of the liquid IV. Have you seen the Martha Stewart Tito's dry January commercial? Uh-huh. No. You'll, you'll have to uh, check it out. But she based, it's funny, like Tito's was on top of it. 
thinking, how can we still sell some vodka during dry January? And <laughs> it's Martha talking about all the way to use all the ways to use Tito's in the house if you're not going to drink it. Oh, and interesting. Using oh, it for cleaning. And she's like spraying the bottle and kind of like trying to lick the air. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I need to look that up. That sounds very funny. Yes. Oh. Well, now that we have drinking out of the way, um, let's talk about you, Monica. That's what we're here for. So I I asked you to come because, like, I've always admired just, your, I guess, your business acumen is how I would put it. Um, because, I mean, you've made such a great, I guess you would call it company. I don't know. We'll get into what you call it. Um, but you are obviously very successful and are more than just a realtor. So I'm kind of curious, just like, with a backstory, how and when you got into real estate and, and what brought you into this career field? All right. Well, so I started out in my professional career in hospice care. Oh, wow. Which is pretty uh, different from real estate in a way. But for the first 15 years out of college, I worked in hospice care as a social worker. Mm. And um, the last five years, I did more management and growth and marketing, which sounds kind of weird on the hospice end, but um, that, you know, it it is also a business and you have to have patience in order to survive. And so um, as competition in hospices came about, there was a need for more marketing and education and that sort of thing. And so it really taught me a lot about how to deal with people, how to have marketing skills. And so there was a gal I had worked with at one of the hospices that had left and she started selling real estate. And after about three years of that, asked me to join her. And I naively (laughs) said, yeah, I'll, I'll quit this great salary job and uh, come work full commission. Um, But it was a great start. It was sort of sink or swim. She was pretty overwhelmed with her business and needed to have some time off. And I just kind of stepped in and took over on some things. And we worked together for about four months. And then she decided she really needed more of an admin person, which should be your first hire when mm-hmm. you are growing. And I'm not really an admin person. <laughs> and so we <laughs> just decided to go our separate ways. And, you know, it was October, November, right going into the slow season. I had mm-hmm. nothing lined up for income coming in. And um, but I did have a great support in my spouse who kept telling me it was going to be okay, even in times where I was like, I am so sorry I did this to us. And he was just faithful and that keep doing the right thing. And the right thing was just meeting as many people as I could, because not only did I decide to go to 100% commission career, I did it in a town where I knew nobody. Like we moved here and I didn't really know anybody. And I was sort of a good old boys area. And so, you know, it's a little bit of a hard nut to crack. And I just did what I knew how to do in hospice care. And I went out and started meeting with people who I knew 
new people that were going to have to sell. And I, and a lot of it was the same people that I had worked with in hospice care, the assisted living, marketing people, the nursing home, you know, any senior living, because they had people coming in and were probably going to have to have a house to sell. And they already trusted me. And so instead of giving me hospice referrals, they switched over to start giving me, you know, real estate referrals. And there, it, it took a while, you know, it takes time to build the trust that you're going to change this career and really be successful. And it's most of the, ha- of the time people's biggest asset and just turn that mm-hmm. over to somebody without a lot of experience can be scary. But I can remember like that February, almost like nine months into it, we had pretty much spent through our savings and we were like, how are we going to pay rent? Because one, I didn't even think about not being able to buy a house when you change a career. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were renting, but to be able to figure out where we wanted to be too. And um, we had a car trailer. It was sort of the, like the last asset we could part with and my husband's bought it from us so we could pay rent. And then the springtime hit and no, I I was doing a ton of open houses and I got my first listing and then people started sign calling because they still did that back then. And (laughs) consistency of meeting people and being authentic and real and building trust just built up my business. And, you know, every year I kind of doubled for the first few years in sales and I was getting to the point where I was needing some help. And so Jason got his license and eventually quit his job and came to work with me full time. And now we have nine people after 10 years. So it's, it's been a crazy ride for sure. That was one thing I noticed. So Holly, I definitely suggest you go follow Monica on TikTok. Um, because Monica's TikTok game is amazing. I don't know who manages your TikTok, if it's you or one of your teammates, but I, whenever I started following you on TikTok, that's when I realized how many people you had. I was like, oh my gosh, look at her. She's such a mogul. <laughs> yeah in the last three years we've gone from three to nine so wow it's been it's been some fast growth but good and I have a full-time marketing person on staff now that just okay. handles our team stuff which is great it allows us to have a little more social media time our Instagram is actually better than our TikTok we got to get it okay. over there okay. a little better but it's fun we like to have fun and I you know, to me, I can teach anybody how to be with people and, you know, sell real estate, but it's just about creating a great culture. And I think that we have really done that. We've been really choosy with the people that we have brought on the team and kind of sought them out. We've never done an ad really that says, hey, we're hiring. It's just we watched for the right people that we feel are a good fit to our culture and then worked with them to grow in their real estate career and it's been fun to see people grow too that's awesome i love that so i obviously used to work is it scogman or scogman i never even know how to say it okay Mm -hmm. 
So you're still part of Skoglin, but are you like a franchise owner of Skoglin? No. So the real estate industry has kind of is changing and teams are becoming a much more popular way of doing business. And so when you have a brokerage, the agents that are there in Iowa, you can sell real estate as a as a um, salesperson without your broker's license, other mm-hmm. parts of the United States, you have to have your broker's license, but any anybody who's selling real estate under the brokerage is an independent contractor of okay. the brokerage. And then the teams work in all different ways. We have chosen to have our team members be W-2 employees of our business, the Monica Hayes team. So we're a small business within the brokerage and where I'm an independent contractor of the brokerage. So, and it's, you know, oftentimes people will say, well, why don't you just open your own brokerage? You know, cause we're really sort of a mini brokerage within it. But Skogman provides so many resources to me that it just doesn't make sense. Like they provide yeah. a ton of education for my um, agents. We have legal consult right there. We have closing department, we've got insurance. So there's just a lot and just the camaraderie of having other people around and for me to bounce ideas off of the other brokers and it's just nice to have that family kind of team feel within the brokerage as well. That's awesome. I was so curious how that business model worked. So is anyone else on your team a realtor or is it just you as the realtor? No, everybody except our marketing gal. Wow. Okay. They all are, have their They're real all realtors. Licenses. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. Go ahead. Eight of us, eight of us can help. Um, buyers and sellers. And mo- for the most part, everybody has their thing they specialize in. Yeah. You know, and Jane, our transaction coordinator really just deals with office paperwork, making sure the deals are all in line and the buyer's agents work with buyers. And I still handle pretty much all the listings, but I do have an assistant now. And so it's been great that you can just work in what you're good at. I have people to do all the things that I don't like to do very well, which is great. <laughs> too. That's the dream. You know, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I tell people all the time, like, I don't love owning a business. Like, I love being with people and emotional experience of real estate. I don't love commercial. There's not. I uh, feel you. <laughs> yeah. Emotion <laughs> in that. But there's people on our team. Jason is the type A spreadsheet budget. HR hold the business together person and some of the other agents really like commercial stuff and so it works. Well, that's inspiring. I hope I can be in that position one day. <laughs> <laughs> that's my goal. Yeah. That's awesome. I definitely am fascinated about your, you know, going from like hospice care to where you are now. And I, I know you said like there, it really had some commonalities and like, right. when you said it, it's like, yeah, I feel like probably learning how to deal with people at like a sensitive time. Like I know selling your home can be probably a really emotional time. Buying a home is one of the biggest decisions you'll make as is 
dealing with hospice care. Um, so I imagine that that kind of like prepped you a little bit for the years ahead without even knowing it. Yeah, definitely. You know, really, I think that social workers and teachers make some of the best realtors as a second career because Mm. it's, it's not about sales. It's not about the houses. You can learn about a house. It's about how to find out what people's needs are, be compassionate and educate them through the process. And people want to be in the know, but not be overwhelmed and just to kind of keep the calm and the, you know, rationality through it all because it can get pretty emotional and people get freaked out about stuff. And as long as you can keep them, you know, maintaining some emotion, it really helps to be able to get through. And, you know, if I have a specialty in anything, I love working with seniors and they're downsizing and there's a ton of grief that comes with that. Mm -hmm. And so all my days of grief counseling, like it just goes hand in hand. And I say a lot of times I do more social work during the day than I do anything sometimes. And just helping people find resources, whether it's a contractor or a mover or a cleaning person or mm-hmm. whatever, just to help them through the process. I know you you just mentioned like social workers and teachers may, you know, make good realtors if they wanted a second career. Have you you know, I would imagine, I may be speaking out of turn, but I would imagine a lot of teachers, I don't know about social workers, but I would imagine a lot of teachers don't currently want to be teachers. Have you seen like in the last, like since COVID, have you seen like a shift in in people switching? I do, yes. I think the thing that is hard is that both of those um, careers, you know, don't, make a whole lot of money and so it's hard for them unless they have a spouse who can support them to be able to save up six months of reserves in order to know you're going to go six months without having a paycheck and so it it becomes a cycle of like can I really do it and it's just a little more comfortable to stay within my every paycheck you know the other thing I I we have seen a huge influx and even with COVID, but just because the market has been so good over the last few years that people are like, oh, it's an easy job. It's a fast way to make money. And they come in with this idea that they're going to get rich fast. And that just is not the way it is. I mean, for the first eight years, I worked 80 hours a week without a vacation, really. Like, wow. It is intense and it's flexible, but you're still at people's beck and call 18 hours a day, it seems like, at least. And so the success rate of people making it is only about 25%. 75% that try it don't make it into year three. So it's Damn, I didn't know that stat. That's interesting. So this is the proof. No, that's where the team structure is good, too, is because it does give people the opportunity to get a faster pace into it and get some leads from the team and that support. And, you know, we we have benefits for our team. We have some hourly pay for them as well, too. So it's a good um, way for people to get into the profession, but 
not have to have quite so much savings to be able to do it. That's cool that you give people that support and that opportunity. That's neat. Yeah. Just changing lives one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I am really surprised. curious. Like I, cause you were mentioning like when you started and working these 80 hour weeks, like what the day to day looks like, because I'm going to be totally honest. I know about very little about real estate and I watch million dollar listing and that's all I know. And like, <laughs> I know that that's not how it really is. So I'm just really curious, like what the yeah. day to day looks like. Well, when you're showing houses, you're pretty much having to do that in the evenings and weekends when people aren't working. Mm -hmm. And so that fills up that time period. And then during the day, you're just working on your business plan, whether it's putting, figuring out what you're going to put on social media, to building your database, to volunteering so you can meet more people, to doing the paperwork that you need to do. Because when you start and you don't have the help, you're doing many different hats. And so you're just trying to figure out you know, what it is putting, you know, building your flyers and your marketing books and getting the listings ready to go on to the MLS and then getting signs delivered to the house and staging the houses. And there's just constant things that need to be done. And there's people that sell two or three houses a year and they're not going to do that, but I wanted to make a good income and, you know, be able to do that. And so it just took a lot of work. That's awesome. I remember whenever we sold ours, um, Jane, I'm glad you said her name because I, I like temporarily forgot it. Um, she was so helpful. Like <laughs> just everything was just so streamlined. Um, Y'all do a really good job of just making everything like as minimal effort as possible for the seller and the buyer. That's, That's good. Yeah. yeah. The structure is important. And that's what I always tell you, like newer agents, like build your structure first, because once yeah. you get busy, it's too hard to put it together. And for us, the structure was important so that no matter what the agent was on our team doing, everybody was doing it the same so that the clients mm -hmm. were getting the same experience, no matter what agent they were working with. And mm -hmm. I think that's important. Yeah. That makes it reflects sense. on me, you know, I want them to do it <laughs> yeah. the way I would do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I am with my yoga teachers. You know, I kind of set the tone of like, because I don't know how much you've seen about the yoga studio, Monica, but you know, it's all about accessibility and like I have a teacher in a wheelchair, like the whole business model is about like making yoga more accessible and not like, you know, performative. And so I tell people that up front, I'm like, if, if you're not interested in that kind of yoga, like I'm not going to be offended. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, you can't, you can control people to an extent, right? Um, but whenever it's your name on it, it, it is, it, it's just a big liability. So it is, mm -hmm. it's important to find the right people. I'm glad you have. I feel like that's the only way it works successfully, right? Like if everyone is yeah. by, by the same like set of standards, really, because I know even having been to like some businesses that like are part of a brand, but it's like a different owner, like the franchise and they don't adhere to the same rules of the brand. It's confusing if you mm -hmm. don't get the experience you expected yeah. to get. Yeah. It's like Starbucks, right? 
And it's mm-hmm. the same experience no matter where you go across the nation. And there's something to be said about that. Yeah. yeah. People want to know what to expect. Mm-hmm. So Holly, I'll let you ask the next one because I like, I like, uh, the question about Zillow. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm curious. I'm sure there are other apps out there, but I'm curious how that has changed your business. And I, I, I personally am not like lurking on Zillow, but I know a lot of people get pleasure out of that. <laughs> and um, I wrote some. I had a freelance client that was a realtor in Las Vegas, and so he would he me I would write a lot of blogs about like how to take good pictures for Zillow things like that but I'm curious how how that has changed your business if it has yeah I wish I would have been the brains behind it for sure (laughs) um so it's totally changed the real estate business and you know it's the number one platform that people go to start looking for a house and it's you know, some people would say it's taken away the power of the agent. Um, and I think people either embrace Zillow or hate Zillow. Mm-hmm. And of the realtors, the hate part is much higher percentage than embrace. And um, when I was first able to. So the way Zillow works on the real estate side of things is that basically it's a place for agents to get leads. That's how they make their money. You know, they don't charge people to shop on Zillow, but they connect those buyers with agents and the agents pay to get those leads and they pay a lot of money <laughs> to get those okay. leads. Okay. Um, I can remember, you know, shortly after I started paying for leads with Zillow. I was paying more than my house payment to them. And eventually three times more than my current house payment. But it always made sense because the return on investment was there. And then a couple years ago, Zillow started, oh, they're calling right now. (laughs) Started (laughs) with... um, these flex partners. So they took their best of the best and asked them to become partners with them. And we were fortunate to be chosen in that way. And really one of the only, there's two in our area. And so um, it really has helped with our growth and being able to supply leads for our buyer's agents. Um, But we have to be available 24 seven to collect those leads, because if we don't perform on them, we can't be flex agents anymore. So mm-hmm. it's based on performance and, you know, trying to quickly build a relationship with people over the phone and build that trust and be able to continue on. And, you know, there's a lot of code of ethics between realtors too. It's a crazy business because we compete against each other, but we need each other. You know, you've got two agents on the side of almost every deal. And so we want to be careful not to step on toes as well. If somebody's already working with a realtor, we don't want to take them away from that agent. And so it's walking that fine line between making sure they're being served and not stepping on toes. But um, as far as 
a platform for people to search. They have, you know, really the best technology behind them. They have a lot of exciting technology coming in the near future. And being a flex partner, we're able to tap into that early and be a part of that, which will be amazing when it comes out. So we're huge Zola fans, but um, in our market, you know, I can't really say that on a realtor function. (laughs) <laughs> because most realtors don't like them because they take away business from them or they can't afford to pay for those leads. Yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking like, as you were talking, I feel like that sort of platform just, I am just not a fan of this promoting people, like scrolling through things in such a like flippant manner. Like I'm, I feel the same way about dating apps. Like I feel like it changes our mindset about things. And like, Mm -hmm. I know when my mom like bought her house, like she said, when she stepped inside it, like she felt like a certain way. And like, she knew that was her home. And like, you're not going to get that feeling when you're like flipping through an app. I know it's convenient. And probably during the pandemic, it was really convenient, but I just feel like stuff looks different in pictures. Like we know that from the Oh yeah. And you you can't smell in a picture. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, what the place is like. And I, I guess Derek can talk a little bit about that. I mean, in the market we work in it and the way that life is now, uh, everybody can see their house before they buy it, which yeah. to me used to be really, really scary. And as long as you have a good agent working for you, you should feel like you know that house and that area pretty inside and out before you get there. But yeah. Again, every realtor is independent of each other. And just because one does it one way doesn't mean the other will. And so you have to make sure you really vet your agent and feel comfortable with them too. Yeah. Yeah. We felt really comfortable going into it sight unseen. I mean, you know, physically unseen. Yeah. Um, Because Monica was very transparent about the pros and the cons. You know, she wasn't just saying everything's perfect. Um, it was also honest about the neighbors that we were getting ourselves into and, you know, all those things. So. And the smell. Did she tell you about the smell? <laughs> there was no smell at our house. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have that problem. Well, because I can't think of anything worse than telling you everything's perfect and you show up right. and see something completely different. Like, I yeah. just couldn't deal with that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, we were very happy when we walked in. It was exactly what we expected. That's funny. Yeah. You do the next one too, Holly. I like that one. Yeah, I am. I am just, this is something else I'm really curious about because I, another client that I worked with, I'm a freelance, like I'm a freelance writer. And so I've worked with so many different types of people and I wrote a, like ghost wrote a book for him on like the different generations and like specifically how to market to millennials. Mm -hmm. And so we did all this research together on different generations. And I know like for, I think Gen Y and like, I know Gen Z is not at the age of buying homes, but I feel like that, you know, there's all this studies that come out that millennials weren't buying homes as much and Gen Y, like they're not going to, I'm just curious, like if you've seen any of that or if it's really just more dependent on the market Definitely. But I feel like COVID changed it a lot. Mm -hmm. So the millennials prior to COVID were very much into being able to have the ability to up and leave anywhere quickly if they wanted to and not being tied down with a mortgage or a place to sell. Um, They wanted to 
more be using money for vacationing. And so COVID sort of changed their mind with that. And I also feel like some of the millennials are are reaching the age where they really want to start thinking about building wealth and real estate's mm-hmm. one of the fastest ways to be able to do that. And we provide a lot of education in that way. And so feeling like it's okay to be at home or I have to be at home, I might be stuck at home. And if that's the case, I can't stand being in this 12 plex, being able to hear my neighbors and have to walk my dog around the wall, the block instead of letting them out in my yard. And so between people getting pets, having to work from home, not being able to vacation, and then just starting to reach the age where they're really starting to think about building wealth, I think we've seen a huge increase in millennials buying. Um, Generation Y, it's it's a hard go for them right now. Their incomes don't support everything. The housing prices have gone up. They're having to live with their parents longer. And so, you know, if they can get to the point where they can do it, and we in our market are super fortunate that we have amazing lenders that will do 100% financing on houses. Mm. So not having to save for that down payment is huge in our marketplace, but that's not the case across the United States. And so I do think that once... They get to see what it looks like on paper a little bit with if you buy this house and if you're going to sell it in three or four years, this is the difference in your wealth situation that if you pay rent for those three or four years is pretty eye opening to -hmm. them and they're able to make that move and, and do things then or at least be the landlord for their friends. You know, you're going to live with three friends, let them pay you instead of somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what blew my mind whenever we were, because we originally went into Iowa thinking that we were just going to rent, you know, Um, and at some point whenever we were just striking out our rentals left and right, Monica was like, why don't y'all buy buy a house and i was like can we buy a house i don't even know how to do that am i old enough to buy a house (laughs) and so she walked us through the whole process and like by the end of it i was like that's all our mortgages like what (laughs) like you know it's just so much cheaper than renting obviously you have you know the expense of fixing things whenever they break and more you know responsibility but thankfully i have wesley who can fix just about anything but yeah, it was crazy, just like the difference. And now we're back to renting because when we moved here, we didn't know how long we would be here because like the reason, I think you knew this, Monica, but, but the reason we ended up moving was because Wesley's boss transferred their lab from the University of Iowa to UT here. Um, but it was during the middle of his postdoc, which he just finished and she hired him on as a full-time employee. So maybe we'll look into buying again um but things have changed a lot you know and austin probably isn't our forever home you know so a lot of things are still up in the air but whenever i see how much i'm paying for rent versus you know how much i used to pay for my mortgage i'm like "Mm," it makes me makes me mad (laughs) yeah it's so crazy Well, and that, you know, even the changes that have come about with COVID just across the country, people being able to work from home. So they're moving back to Iowa to be closer to family or because Mm -hmm. the cost of living is so much less for the great Mm -hmm. quality of life. And so it's given people flexibility in that way. 
that was going to be kind of my next question was um with you know the the housing market went crazy right um <laughs> i don't have to tell you and obviously like we benefited from it because we were selling during that time like you know our we had seven offers seven or eight offers above asking within 24 hours like it was you know it was crazy it was so easy and how are things looking now because i my mom's a realtor and has kind of kept me in the loop a bit so i'm just curious like since you know that craziness is it still crazy if things settle down or prices still high let's talk about some of the reasons it was crazy first of okay. all like mostly it was an inventory shortage so mm -hmm. in 2008 there were builders who really cut down on building product and every year that has just sort of snowballed that they haven't maybe built as much as they should have for fear of being in another situation or not being able to get the financing for it because the lending laws after 2008 also changed quite a bit mm -hmm. and so year over year because of that, inventory has shrunk. Also, people are living longer and living more independent longer. So that senior population isn't moving out of their houses in the same way that they used to. So that also has created inventory issues. And then you get to the situation of COVID where people are wanting to buy houses, you add to more inventory issue. And then you have low interest rates and people can buy houses that were never able to buy houses before. You still don't have enough houses. So between all of that going on is a lot of the reason why the market was so strong. And really, the only thing that has changed are interest rates. And so while interest rates right now are sitting between 5.75 and 6% on general, when you look at historically, that's pretty average. It isn't even really that high. It's just people were getting loans for three and three and a half percent or in COVID times or even less. And over the fall time, we still had buyers who were, had been buying in that spring market when they were approved at three and a half or 4%, but didn't get a house because of the competition. And at that time in our market, they're maybe looking at a $280,000 house if they are a first time home buyer. And now suddenly with a 6% interest rate, they're only qualifying for $180,000 house. And so they have all of the shock from this is what I thought I could get. And now this is what I can get. And I'm not satisfied with that. I'll just stay where I am. Mm -hmm. So there's been some slowdown in that way through the end of the year. But my prediction in our area, and we're very isolated compared to the coast, and we're very fortunate in Iowa City itself with the university that people come and go all the time because of the college. So we are always pretty strong anyway, but I believe we're not going to have the same market we've had for the last few years, but it's still going to be a good seller's market. We've got new buyers coming into the market now that were approved at three and a half percent. So they're not feeling like they missed out on what they could have had. And so, and if we could educate them to show that 5.75 is a fair interest rate, 
you're going to be okay. The other thing is a lot of people need education that they can refinance. You're not stuck with that rate for 30 years. Right. Maybe fix for 30 years, or you can get a different loan for a shorter amount. But if it rates go down in two years, you know, refinance. And we're telling people like date the rate, marry the house. You know, if you have a house, <laughs> love, buy it. You can change your rate at any time. And, um, you know, talking with them about the difference. And if you buy now at a higher rate and refinancing in a couple of years compared to waiting and the appreciation that's going to happen, mm-hmm. you're better off financially to buy now. That's that's very enlightening. You're so good at explaining that. It's like it's your job. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. That that gives me a lot more hope. And I never even thought about like the historical rates. Like, yeah, it's not astronomical. It just feels like it because it went from being so low. Yeah, it's never going to go back to two and a half or three, I don't think. Like, okay. it shouldn't. It, like, that's not good for the economy. I gotcha. That makes sense. Well, are we at the end, Holly? Is that what, is that what it looks like? Yeah, unless you answered wanna, them all. Uh, yeah, unless you want to ask her if she has 2023 goals. That was going to be, yeah, that's that's kind of always a wrap-up question is um, now that it's the new year. Um, what are your goals? Where do you see the Monica Hayes team going? Are you going to keep growing or do you feel comfortable with the size you are now? Yeah, I think we're going to grow a little bit. I think that the slowdown in the market is going to weed out some of the agents that maybe shouldn't be selling real estate and it's just going to make us busier. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll, we'll grow a little bit this year, maybe add a person or two. I don't know. We'll see. There's, there's some areas where we could have a little more coverage and as our agents are growing in their profession and years that they've been with us they're having more repeat business so some of those you know leads we're able to give them initially they don't necessarily need as much as they did then so we can have other people that can take those so you know but like I said we're just looking for the right culture and if we can keep what we have with what we who we have that's great if we find somebody that fits it that's great it's just making sure everybody feels good about stuff that's awesome. Well, I enjoy watching your team. Um, and that kind of leads us into where can people find you? I've already mentioned the TikTok. What is your TikTok handle? <laughs> Monica Hayes team, I think. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of manager, he's like shaking his head, like, how do you not know that? Like, what are the videos that you post on TikTok? What are they about? They are so good. <laughs> It's like They're just funny there. We try to do some with a little bit of education, yeah. but uh, mostly it's just us having fun. Sometimes oh, it is like a haze team. I was right. And so, <laughs> so is Instagram and so is uh, our Facebook page. So and our website is monicahayesteam.com we're pretty simple wow love the yeah. continuity yeah you gotta have it i know um, I'm jealous <laughs> <laughs> no on tiktok they do a really good job of keeping up with you know all the trends whenever there's like something that's trending they'll, yeah. they'll do one and it's a lot of times like her entire team doing it so it's fun because oh, okay. you get to see all of them 
And, and I still make... don't understand. There's one that Blake did <laughs> maybe two weeks ago. It's got like 28,000 views. Like it's the most <laughs> awesome ever. Why is that one? I don't know. And then I'll be like, oh, that was the best one ever. And we get like then, 300 views. Yeah. I know. It makes no it's sense. It's so random. It's so random. I haven't yeah, figured did out. Did you see the one in the shower this week, Derek? No, no, I'll have to go look for it. No, I, I think it's up. on Instagram. It hasn't hit TikTok, TikTok yet. So there's some really good okay. new ones on Instagram. You'll peek at those. Yeah, I'm on Instagram more. So I'll, I, I, maybe I don't follow you. I don't know. I'll make sure I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I always follow our guests after the, afterwards, just in case yep. I wasn't already. Um, but I am on Instagram more, you know, because I'm one of those older millennials. I still like, I only downloaded TikTok because of the studio and, you know, like maybe post something about it like once a week if I'm doing good. So yeah, I don't have a market. I'm old, you know, I still tend to do Facebook more than anything, but yeah, you know, it's my generation. (laughs) Yeah. It's totally a generational thing. Yeah. I never get on Facebook. I, I got on like last week and I had messages from like, oh, about two months ago. Like I never, <laughs> I don't yeah. mean to, I just don't. Yeah. That has been a really great thing about having some generational gap in our team yeah. too. Is those girls keep us, keep us going and what's trending. <laughs> Otherwise I'm like, what? TikTok, what? You know? Oh, you do a good job in the videos because Monica's usually the spotlight and they just make her do all kind of silly stuff. It's a lot of fun. Well, thank you for joining us, even though you didn't feel good. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's been a long time coming. Thanks for being patient with having to delay with life. Life happens. It's all good. Thankfully, we've had a lot of people that were interested in being guests. So we just keep on cranking them out. This is... yeah either going to be episode 10 or 11 depending on who we put first i can't believe it double digits that's awesome i was i have not listened to them all but i think i've listened to three so far oh cool thank you yeah did you enjoy them yeah they're great good really great they're fun you did your homework yeah we try to keep it silly and yeah i hope you guys have an amazing 2023 oh i'm excited about this year i think it'll be a good one yeah, me too. too. Better be. <laughs> <Or else. laughs> Otherwise, we're all getting our yeah, having happy hour all day. Look, we're getting our sickness out of the way at the beginning of the year, so that the rest of the year we're happy and free, right? That's that's what I keep telling myself. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, all right. go rest you up, guys. Monica. Thank you so much, and it was good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah. Yes. You too. Good luck with your damp January. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Oh, love it. All right. Bye-bye. See you later. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Holly, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at OrangeJulia7, also on thebitterlemon.com and on Etsy, Bitter Lemon Digital. And Derek. Where can people find you? So I am on Instagram with my personal account at Yoga with Derek, and that's D-E-R-E-K, spelled the correct way. And on Instagram for Yoga for All Humans, it is at Yoga for All Humans on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. 
Um, don't judge my TikTok game. I'm still learning. On LinkedIn, you can sync up with me, Derek Hagler, on there. And Yoga for All Humans has its own LinkedIn account as well. And of course, yogaforallhumans.com is the studio's website. Small Business Happy Hour has its own Instagram account at Small Business Happy Hour. Or you can email us at smallbusinesshappyhour at gmail.com. Cheers. Cheers. See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.